Welcome to the Geek Speak last week bonus episode. This is the intake. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the intake. This is Ed. Tone. <laughs> and I'm Brian. <laughs> uh, we want this all on one episode. Unfortunately, the episode on the Disney Plus Day went a bit long. So it, we just we need a good chunk of time to talk about this next subject. So we had to do it on a special episode. So we are going to be diving in to Dune, the movie that just came out recently on HBO and in theaters as well. I did yes, not see it in yes. theaters, but it has come out in theaters as well. I still um, need to see it in theaters. I I, I, I want to go see I it in theaters. To. Honestly, this movie, I think we all are in agreement. This movie was fantastic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with without well, further uh, wait, wait, we're talking about Eternals, right? <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, God. not this time. Not this time. Uh, we're talking about Tone's second favorite movie. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, without further ado, here we go. We're going to get into it. Um. Honestly, I had no expectations going into this movie. I saw the '80s movie that was done by Lynch was kind of a mess and I didn't really understand what's going on and I just chalked it up to being okay I don't know the source material so maybe it's it's not for me I don't know um when the cast and the director was released for this adaptation I said I have to I mean Denis Villeneuve terrific director everybody in the cast phenomenal and once I saw that first trailer, I was like, wow, this looks like a spectacle. I really have to check this out. So I did. And got to say, he handled this. I don't even know what that other movie was, to be <laughs> honest. I, I Thinking about it in retrospect, I, I was so confounded by what was happening in that movie that it took any kind of possible enjoyment away from me. Because I didn't know what was going on. I had no background for the characters. It was just scenes. It was like, and don't get me wrong. I'm a David Lynch fan. I think David Lynch's original movies are very, they mean, you know, quote unquote good, but they're very interesting and they're thought provoking and they have a sense of mystery to them that I enjoy. But his adaptation just wasn't for me and I couldn't, really get in because I, I just had such a hard time understanding what was happening with this from scene one, you know, the world you're living in and it just creates such a deep uh, cinematic, you know, just, just, just a stage for you to see everything and, understand every character that's coming into this uh, movie which I was not expecting and so thankful that I watched this movie because I never read the books and the only uh, you know 
the only real knowledge of the source material was that movie, that 80, 80s movie, and I thought that, that was crap. But this was just so, so good and so deep and lush, and I'll turn it over to you guys. What did you think? I absolutely loved it. It was... It was just visually stunning in its simplicity, and yet there was so much attention to detail. Um, there were some really gorgeous panoramic shots of just of just the the setting of each world, and it was necessary for you to get the stark difference between uh, the main the protagonists home world and where they end up yeah in the end um it was just so well acted that i it just like everybody in it was just fantastic they were just like i it's not that i i've never read the books but i have watched i watched the 84 movie i watched the miniseries on sci-fi and i actually really like that and um the sequel series as well children of dune but what they were able to do with this movie was nothing short of amazing because they were able to, as you said, get everything out that is normally exposition in a book because it's description, excuse me, not exposition, that's description in a book. And they were able to just put it on camera and you just fall into the world. And yeah. once you're there, everything's explained, everything is, and it's never too much exposition it's exposition for the the sake of the characters and mm -hmm. so it comes off naturally i just i just thought it was really good uh the action in that's that the and i want to say this the little bit of action that's in it is fantastic but it's epic like mm -hmm. the the things that you see there they're, it's it's not a lot of action but when it hits there's a lot of action on the screen yeah. And it's just, it, it draws your eye to it and you can't look away. You don't get bored with any of the characters. You don't get bored with any of the world building. You don't get bored with any of the sets. You don't get bored with any of the locations. Like everything is there is appealing to your, to every sense that you have. And I, I couldn't have picked a, they couldn't have picked a better person to, to direct this film. They really couldn't have. Um, totally agree. He does sci-fi better than anybody in this in this current era of Hollywood right now. Um, and I don't mean, and I mean thoughtful sci-fi, not just your run-of-the-mill pop sci-fi. Right. Thoughtful sci-fi. So that that's that's where I am. We can discuss some more, but tone. Okay. Um, I really liked it. I do have issues with it, but that's because I read the source material. And, okay. Yeah. And recently too. Yeah. Like within this same year. <laughs> so I think visually this movie got everything right. This is what Arrakis looked like in my head. The ornithopters were amazing. Yes. Seeing the sandworm so cool like all that stuff everything was awesome 
like you said, the little bit of action that we did get was very, very good. Jason Momoa as the sadly named Duncan Idaho <laughs> is amazing. Like he's so good in the little bit of time that we see him. Uh, but yeah, you see why he is the most fearsome warrior that the Atreides family has. Um, and even like little things like he's been living with the Fremen. And when he goes to activate his shield, he does what the Fremen do before battle where he puts his, he taps his chest because that's where mm -hmm. his shield is now. It's just so many little things like that that were very good. My issues with this movie is they cut out a lot of things that, like specifically Lady Jessica, in this movie, she cries a lot. You want to know how much Lady Jessica cries in the book? Not very much. She is a complete and total badass in the book. And we only get like one scene of her being. Mm -hmm. Two scenes of her being a badass. She's way more. They cut out a lot of stuff. But like they did. I was actually talking to a friend of mine uh, earlier today. Uh, because she also read the book and they did the thing of telling and not showing which I think I wanted them to show us those things instead of just telling us that they were there they didn't tell us how Lady Jessica is basically forcing this prophecy like everything that's happening she knows about this prophecy about Paul and everything, and she's forcing it to happen. We don't really get to see that yet. Yeah. We could get that in the second movie. There's a lot of things that they could still do in the second movie. Um, the stuff with the doctor. You only get one scene with him before the betrayal scene happens. True. There's more of there's more scenes with the doctor, and you see why he's important and why him betraying them is such a big deal. Whereas in this, you're like, oh, cool. He had one scene with Paul. Awesome. And then he betrays the family. Because even uh, my one of my friends that I went to go see it with, he was like, yeah, I didn't understand why it was such a big deal that the doctor betrayed them. But he loved the movie. He just said it didn't make sense to him that it's a big deal that the doctor betrayed them. When in yeah, the I book, guess... there's a lot more that they get into as much as I, I do love this, and I think it's the best adaptation we're ever going to get, unless they actually do a, a mini series where they adapt it properly and get into everything. This is like, seriously, we need like 10 episodes of a TV show. To I, I was going to say, because I don't even think the mini series got into some of the stuff that you were talking about uh, before the show last time with like yeah. the, the spy, all the spy. Yeah, stuff like there's the whole that. thing. Like, with, I don't like, think they got into that in even in the in the sci-fi miniseries. I don't remember that. Yeah, like Lady Jessica and and uh, Duke Leto, like they're not married, and they kind of get into that in the movie, but they're not. And there's a the reason he doesn't, she doesn't ask him to marry her, is because he's a duke of a high house. And he still has to be able to be single to marry for power. And it, like, there's a whole lot of political stuff that we, they didn't get into at all. 
And she's yeah. fine with that happening, like because she is also playing the political game for her I'm own. Trying reasons. to create the Quisac Hatterack. Yeah, like there's a whole lot of stuff they didn't get into, which again, they could get into it in the next movie, but I mean, spoiler alert, Duke Leto's not around anymore, so there's no need to get into that stuff. There's but even they stuff might, they, but they might mention that kind of stuff when they start yeah. talking about uh Paul's eventual plans and everything else. It, I because... just mean more specifically like the stuff with her and Leto. Like there's no, even no, no, stuff I... with after the attempt on Paul's life. She goes in like her and Leto. They are working together, but they're making it look like they're going against each other and trying to see who in in their inner circle was the one that was doing this. Right. And there's even like like there's a little thing with uh, uh, Brolin's character, Gurney. He's a he's a musician in the books and and in the show in the movie too because when he comes to train Paul, Paul's like, "Give us a song, Gurney," and that's when he throws the the blade at him. And we don't get to see that. Like I wanted to hear Brolin, like you know, singing us yeah, a song. Me too. Me too. Me <laughs> like there's like, I was like a little sad. Like that. Um, it, it again, I think the movie is great and visually it's stunning then yeah. denis Vinev, like he is he has an eye for that stuff and i just wish they would have like gotten to that nitty-gritty stuff but then again it's a movie like we only have so much time they don't and it's also cover a it long all. movie it's yeah a it was a very movie. long movie and that's the thing like they covered a lot of stuff but still a lot of stuff didn't happen like and it's still for everything that happened not a lot happened in this movie true and like you said i mean or no actually like brian's everything that was explained and Mm -hmm. told and and all the dialogue it was a lot never boring no no that was definitely not never boring the 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 thing i liked most about this movie was we recently covered uh, Eternals. This was the anti-Eternals to me. Everything, although it should be boring, or I thought maybe boring, this was not boring. This was a well-told, everything was shown to you. You know what this world is. You're living in this world. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Uh, yeah. The cinematography and the scope. Oh, of, yeah. It was just and the music. stunning. The yeah. music, it was just, it was a fully fleshed world where as some other movies are not, are not like that. They are just a shell or just a part of what it could be. This was fully developed. And again, yeah. to your, to your point, there were things from the books that could have been explored more, but then you're looking at a three hour runtime on one movie. That's part one of part of a two-part, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're only doing two parts. So, now, we'll see. Personally, we'll see I that. would watch that. At home, I would watch that. Oh, oh yeah. I would too, but you're thinking, man, I'm thinking in a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they would do. You they know, didn't uh, even greenlight the second movie until after this movie came out. They weren't going to give him... They really should have They weren't going to give him three hours to play with. They did the they same thing they with definitely uh, just... Stephen King's It. Uh, the, yeah. the recent it movie they yeah. didn't they didn't green light it parts chapter two until chapter one was already a success mm-hmm. 
just the way studios do things now, I assume. But well, no, not all of them. Just no, just Marvel's like, Brothers. hey, we know. Yeah, well, then Warner, there's Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers that just does things yeah, I guess however right. they want. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. like, if, if this was any other studio, they would have shot those back to back. Yeah. Yeah, especially really like Warner Brothers did it with back to back. the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, the Hobbit, when that didn't need to be three movies, that could have been one movie, but we got three movies <laughs> and they uh-huh. still made it and they still made. And there's been a couple of them since then, too, that they've done back to back. That uh, Well, hell, even the one even one that you hate. What? Halloween. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> Look at the two of you. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. You guys are so adorable. But seriously, oh, yeah. but like oh, it, the point is, is that it can be done. And the fact yeah. that Warner Brothers, every time they have the chance to do it, they're like, eh, let's just see how this one goes. It's like, that's that's dumb. You shoot yourself in the foot. But there is a difference between Halloween. Everybody knows we'll go to Halloween. And Dune, I mean, not everybody knows you're going to go. But, see a uh, again, but Dune it, has a cult following from that 80s movie. Yeah, and it, yeah, it is not as big a name as Halloween. I mean, uh, no, it's not. No one's saying it is, but neither is Dune. But there's a that's cult what I'm saying. Following between, but there's a cult following between the books and the '80s yeah. show, and there's a cult following of the fucking old between the books and the old miniseries. That there's there a cult following just for Stephen King. It I'm not saying that there's not a cult following to these other things that you're saying. I'm saying that Halloween in comparison to the two things that you just mentioned, and I mentioned it as well, it and Dune, there's not even a comparison because people are going to see Halloween until the fucking end of time. You could say there's a new Halloween movie. People are going to go see it. Dune is more of a niche audience. It's, it's a, you know, like you just said, it it is very much following Uh, again. I submit to you. Lord of the Rings. That's true. And that was before, like... Yeah, that makes sense. That was before any of this, because I remember when those trailers first came out, they were like, yeah, we're shooting all three movies back-to-back. And I was like, cool. But I could almost... (sighs) And the thing is, there was no, like, outside of the books. What else were you doing with Lord of the The Rings? Cartoons from the 70s? Nobody cared about those. Maybe not as not as much as Halloween, obviously, but I think people know that book series is just classic, and they greenlit it on that. Maybe no, 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 because no? because no. that okay. then why don't you? That do would that be the same for Dune. No, for it, just Stephen King's name alone should get. Yeah, I guess you got a greenlit. Yeah, I guess you got a point. But, I don't know. I I just think that. Halloween, just like Friday the 13th, just like oh, no, anything. Yeah. Horror, horror movies are a completely just, different thing. Like horror movies. But I'm what I'm all I'm saying is is that no matter what the movie, if you put enough faith behind it, yep. it could get it the, the two movie plant filming the two movies would have worked. Yeah. But Warner Brothers is so scared to lose money that they don't yeah. even put that faith in it. And it's silly. I, because I don't this, understand why. Yeah. Because this is okay. Like even if, like even in the people that consider Blade Runner not a hit, it was still a fucking great movie. 
Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like, and it didn't, you didn't lose, they didn't lose tons of money on that. So an arrival, like th- the man has proven himself. So they yep. should have just given him the fucking money and yeah. let him run with it. And they didn't. Right. And we, and, and we're suffering for it now. Yeah, now, we now, gotta, we now we have to wait. Have to wait. And where it would have say, been an 11 month wait. Now it's going to be a 22 month wait. Well, we don't know how long it's going to be because at least all that. these people have other. Yeah, that's what they said. But all these people have other things probably coming up now. Yeah. Oh, Who's yeah. to say what, Timothy Chalamet doesn't have like a million movie offers right now that he might take instead of doing this Dune movie because they didn't want to. They didn't have faith in it. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. But both of you are right. I'm not arguing the fact that you're correct. I'm just arguing the fact of why they may have greenlit that on previous uh, productions and not this one. That's all. Yeah, Either way. They just need to. They just they should have had faith. The guy hasn't made a movie. Oh, his track record. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he makes good movies. His track record, the fact that this is a genre film in a time where genre films are at their highest. Like sci-fi, anything like that's people are going to go see that regardless. There were people in that theater that didn't know anything about Dune and they went to go see this movie. Also, the fucking history of Dune as a movie in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood has wanted to make this movie for like 40 years. Mm -hmm. So you're going to tell me when you finally get the perfect director, you're like, we'll just we'll just do half the story. We'll just do half the yeah, story. Yeah, let, let, them, let them just give us half the story and see how that does. That 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 logic right there also makes no sense because you're not even giving a full story. You're giving half. Also, what would have the, happened? The fact that they didn't market it as part one and you didn't know, if you didn't know already, yeah. you didn't know going into that movie until it started that it was part one because as soon as that starts, it says Dune part one. That's what I was just going to say. that way at all. What if they did not, like... Green light a second part, and then you were left off yeah. of that. That I, would have been the most depressing shit ever. Exactly. It would have been so destroyed. Yeah. It yeah, no. So it's a fantastic movie. It's a yeah. fan, it's it's it it really is. It's not is it the perfect adaptation? No. No, I think something like Dune. I, I agree with with Tone. Dune should have been a series, yeah. It should have been a high budget. It like should have been an HBO series yeah, type series where they could really explore. It should have been Game of Thrones, basically, yeah, because it, it really should have been. That's kind of it, what it is. Like, there's so much political intrigue that we haven't really gotten outside of the Harkonnens in this. The Harkonnens, who are fucking awesome, by the way, in this yeah. movie, they're so well designed because they are creepy and scary. Like, Baron Harkonnen, scary and also just like imposing when he started floating. Like, that's how you do that. Not the way they did that shit in the fucking 80s movie where he's like fucking goofy and everything. Like when my man floated across that table. Oh, yeah, that was like, no, 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 no. You can get up and walk around (laughs) or you could come around the table. You didn't have to float across it. Yeah, like they made him so, so like heavy set and like gross that he was almost a joke in the in the 80s version mm-hmm. and in this first of all stone scars he's going to be imposing no matter what it doesn't really matter 
But the fact that they didn't make him as heavy and didn't make him as gross lent to the believability of this guy will fucking fuck you up bad. Like he was very in this. And yeah, even and though he's he's gross in a different sense, like he's like, yeah. Ugh, like, yeah. don't touch me, gross. Whereas the other guy was just like gross looking. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the fact that Batista is his, like, oh my God, in charge, the man in charge. And I'm more afraid of Stellan Skarsgård than I am of Batista. Yeah. Is show tells you everything you need to know. Because even Batista in the scenes that he's in with Stellan Skarsgård is like, I am afraid of you. Like, yeah. I, and that, the fact that he expresses that lends a lot of credibility to that character. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about this all the time, but the fact that giving characters that kind of credibility lends to the the believability in a movie because you can have you know Superman and standing next to Aquaman if you don't have Jason Momoa Jason Momo playing of Aquaman, how intimidating is he going to be? You know. Mm-hmm. And and that's the one, you know, that's one thing that they got right in those movies. The characterization a bit different, but what I'm saying is like giving that believability to a character is what you need in these movies. And they they did that really, really well with Stellan Skarsgård in this film. Yeah, he was completely just perfect for this role, like super scary. And like you said, Batista, like the little parts that he's in there he is just good too. And like they have everyone that you see in the Harkonnens, like they have a commanding presence when they're Mm -hmm. on screen. You like, like, yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I'm just so excited to see more of them in the next movie. Again, quick question. Since you've read the books, Mm -hmm. who's older fade or Ravan? I haven't gotten to that part in the book. Cause I've only read the first half of the book. Okay. Because I was just thinking, I there's they're not gonna go for the pretty boy look, obviously, because yeah, no, none of their none of their Harkonnens are all yeah, bald. they're all bald and nope. pasty skin. Yeah. What if what if what if and I know we had mentioned this before and we were like, what if just throw Bill Skarsgard in there? No, what about Alexander Skarsgard? But what about what about freaking no, yeah. Alexander Skarsgård from from uh, uh, True Blood, like I, I think he, I actually think he'd up. be, he'd be very good, and like if you made him bald, like he would perfect. look perfect. He's already like a bigger dude, like he's very, like he'd be and good for that. He's not wide, like Batista, no, but he's a taller he's guy, tall and like, and yeah, yeah and he he would he could pull that off really well. Yeah, I I, I personally feel like. Where he also has the intelligence aspect about mm-hmm. it too. So it wouldn't be about looking like, oh, that dude's gonna crush me. It's just like I don't I don't I don't know what he's thinking, and that that alone scares me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. This, that, this, that, it just popped into my head like that. Part two I mean, is be just, amazing. Can't oh. wait. And even it's just it's just a little things too. Like, okay, I I wa- I've watched that movie three times now mm-hmm. no twice and um 
And the second time I watched it, I ended up watching the 84 version right behind it just because I hadn't seen it since I was probably like 15 or so. And it was also on HBO Max. So I said, fuck it, I'll watch it. And the funny thing is, is because it's, you know, based on a book, there still are a lot of the same lines and scenes. And they, you know, they look ridiculously better in the 2021 version. But there's so much that happens that is obviously the same because they're taking it from the same source material. Then again, it's the other things like the sandworms that completely change it like was it cool that it was lightning and everything every time a, a sandworm appeared in the original version yes did it make any sense no yeah the fact that the worm signs in this are actual things that you would see if something subterranean was burrowing up from the ground yeah. to the surface and it's literally just the waves of sand that was fantastic but what I really loved was the fact that they changed the landscape every time uh-huh. they surface. And every time they you saw one of them leave, you saw the crevasse and dunes that they left behind from them traveling on the surface. And I was just like, that is just a cool sight. It is just a it is just a really cool thing. And it's small, but when that one leaves, when that one leaves the first time when they're like out in the desert. And they're on the rock, and you just see the the cavern that this thing has left behind in the sand. It's just like those things are ridiculous. Yeah, and they did such a good job of showing the scale of these things by doing that. Yeah, because you have to remember, your a person's footprints in the sand are gone within like two minutes. Yeah, because of the wind. And every time one of these things goes by, they're leaving something that's staying there for at least a couple of months. The scene where Paul gets out of the uh, ornithopter thing and he's trying to help the people out of that, out of they're trying to rescue the people out of the the mining uh, equipment. Yeah, the excavator. That scene reminded me so much of the scene in interstellar where they show up on the water planet only in the fact that the tension Mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of muted where they're just like we have to get them out of there it's not Mm -hmm. like scored by big music and like it's just very subtle like you guys are fucked you got to get out of there now and Paul is is out there, and but he starts, you know, obviously he starts having his visions and stuff. But the fact that you know that this gigantic worm is coming, it's impending doom, just like in Interstellar when they realize those aren't mountains, those are waves coming. It was just, it reminded me so much of that. Another person who does big scale on a, on a you know, does it well and does tension well. And does you know for a you know he's only done a few movies like this, but does sci-fi well? Nolan, it was that scope done perfectly, and you know every second that they're out there, you guys need to get the hell out of. There. It's like my tension was so high at that moment, and again, it's the action scene. It's very much just 
people talking to one another and trying to get people into a uh, helicopter. But that was so ratcheted up for me. I was like, oh, my God. And then when they finally do get out of there, I was like, oh, thank God. You know, like it was just so good. I mean, though that was my probably one of my favorite scenes in a movie and it's not even a big gigantic scene. I just thought that the tension and the scope was shown so well in that scene that it was just, just great, great yeah. movie making. I mean, Denis yeah, um, great. Really cool things. I like seeing was like the way they did the blue eyes for the Fremen looks so much better in this yes. than it did in the eighties movie. And like, yes. you can see the different shades of blue for how long they've, been like mm-hmm. alive and in there like yeah it's so good so well done the voice that was oh god very oh, yes. very cool hearing that for the first i was like oh shit that's awesome. that first one was definitely like the best introduction to it because of the 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 delay and everything else that mm-hmm. they threw in on top of it made it even more alarming. So yeah, like, like, I, I thought the movie went out, like I thought the sound went out on my movie for a second. So good. And like that, that scene with the pain box, that was awesome. Yeah. And in the original, it's almost campy. Yeah. How like, again, we're, we're also talking about a 30, what is it? 30 oh, no, years, yeah. That's six, the thing is that's one of those movies now, that does not hold up. And I've told people, no that like are just getting into do now yeah. and like are like oh should i go watch it no don't do yourself the disservice and watch that movie you're not yeah. gonna, and you're for the time like, again we we weren't the audience to see that in 84 you know what i mean yeah so maybe at the time that was groundbreaking oh no I yeah i don't think it was honestly i think it was probably like shitty but even at the time i remember like when i saw that movie several years ago i was like this is fucking terrible. Again, like, you got to put yourself in the mind of not hold up in the mind of an, uh, some and as an adult in 84, when that was the best they could do, maybe yeah. that was cool. You know what I mean? I don't know. But watching well, the, it now, you're does not hold well, up. Well, the thing that says a lot about that, I mean, between I mean, that scene alone in the new movie and then in the old movie is the fact that they had to show what was in the box in the old movie to yeah. get the point across. And in the new movie, they didn't show anything. That was just like a that was literally just a yeah. prop that he put his hand in, and that's it. There was no special effects. It was all acting, it was all mood, yeah. it was all music, and it was fantastic because it got across the exact same thing. And yeah. the fact that it wasn't just him murmuring or him, I'm sorry, saying the words in his head because that was the other thing about the 80s version that irritated the crap out of me as i was re-watching is that why is everybody okay i get that we're these are supposed to be the thoughts in their head but does when you think in your head do you whisper because i don't yeah, right i'm in my head loud as fuck so yeah. the fact that they're in there like every time something happened he'd just be like what is the quasar cataract yeah boy deep what is this pain i'm feeling i'm like yeah. my man like just talk like you you're, 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 it's, you're in your head nobody can hear you why are you whispering so the and and the fact that he was you know he muttered his little chant and it's like fear is the mind the fact that it was him like trying with timothy chalamet doing it he couldn't even say it and i like that like his yeah. brain was 
locked. It was like, listen, yeah. it, it was, it was, it got it all across. I have to get through the pain. I can't speak words. Words like it's, it's pain. And and to do it, they had the mother saying it as she taught the son. And yeah. I was like, in that one scene, you got all of that. You got all of that. That all came across. All right from from the point of remember your teachings. Mm-hmm. She walked out the door. Remember your training from when she walked out the door to the end of that scene. Everything was conveyed all through acting. No yeah. special effects necessary. And I love that. I absolutely love. We got a vision here and there, but yeah, yeah, I love that. And and even the vision itself played up on what was supposed to be going on in the box. And I liked that because it was the burning trees and the, yeah, yeah, the charred yeah. hand. And I was like, okay, I see you. I see what you're doing here. And, and that's what I really liked about the movie because it, it was subtle when it didn't need to be. And I appreciated that. Yeah. I, I thoroughly appreciated that they didn't try to explain everything. And they were like, like you said, they showed instead of, instead of explaining and in certain play and, and they did a very good job of that because a lot of places do the exact opposite or when they do do the show, instead of explain, they don't show you enough. Mm. Yep. I agree. Um, I guess not a lot more to say about the movie per se. I see it. I other than go see say, it. I love how diverse this cast is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that sure. everyone, and you know, the Fremen weren't all white people. Cause guess no. what? You live on a desert planet you're not going to be white anymore. And even the fact that they made the, um, the doctor character, uh, or he's not the doctor. She's the, uh, Christ, the, oh, the environmentalist, the environmentalist yeah. girl, uh, a different ethnicity. And she's actually part of the Fremen. Um, what, that's all that all stuff from, works. That's all from the book. Really well. Yeah. So, and the fact that, Leto was again not a white man because when they describe Leto in the book, they say he has tan skin. And I mean, if you go watch that old 80s movie, everybody's white <laughs> as white can be. Yeah. Real white. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love I like you have Javier Bardem in there. Just See, so I, many, I feel like, like obviously he actors. didn't he didn't get a lot to do, Javier. No, Bardem. but he's gonna Although, See, part two, he's going to have his time to shine. Yes. And, and that final, everybody... that fight scene uh, at the end. Yeah. So good. Especially with like the sound design in that, like where it got really quiet. And you yep. hear like, oh, it's so good. I, I was getting, it, I was getting Black Panther vibes. So, so I, in, it was like, like just the fact of them challenging for, for, you know, into a battle. I really like that. All of it. I mean, honestly, like, I can't say enough. I did not have anything going into this. I was like, I hope this is a good movie. I hope it's cool. This movie has become one of my favorite movies of the year. I think this movie is amazing. I, I can see that. And I, again, someone who wasn't in it a lot, but when she was in it, she was great. Zendaya. Yeah. Like she was, she was in a lot of the divisions. Yeah, she was doing a lot of the exposition stuff too. Like her voice was the voice you hear in the beginning, mm-hmm. giving you like all the stuff, like the background. Um, 
and she was in the visions, but she wasn't really doing anything until that end right before the fight and everything. And they're going to get into her character in the second. Yeah. We'll see more. Chapter. We'll see more of Zendaya in the next uh, movie. And we're going to see a lot more of your lady Jessica too. I hope so. Can't say enough about her. Rebecca Ferguson. Amazing. I love her. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. She's awesome. Me too. She's fantastic. I, but yeah, I, I, definitely she... go see that movie. Go see it in mm-hmm. theaters. Go yes. support your local theaters. And also, it's a, it's worth seeing in a movie theater. If you can go see it in IMAX, go see it in IMAX. It's worth it. I don't think it's leaving theaters anytime soon, but oh, no. I am I'm definitely so I'm definitely probably not this weekend, but probably next weekend, maybe I'm trying to really go see that or something or next week, because I, I really need to see that on a big screen. And that'll yeah. be time number three for me seeing that. Yeah, it's a it's a very good movie. Uh, I'm definitely going to finish the book because I want to know what happens. <laughs> I'm going fin- to read the comic. I'm fitting to read the comic. I'm a little mad, though, because part two don't come out until next year. And then and there's also a, a Marvel uh, comic that's a, currently running. There's supposed to be a third one. Yeah. So they're doing it like the actual book where they broke it up into three books. Yeah, because like, that's the actual adaptation of the book. Yes. The, comic. The, uh, um, the Marvel comic that's currently running is more... Uh, background on House of Trades specifically. Wait, Marvel's producing that House of Trades comic? Uh, no, is it Marvel? No, it's. I think it's Boom. Okay, that it might be sense. Boom. Okay, I saw that because I saw the J Lee covers and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, those covers are beautiful." <laughs> ooh, I said House of Trades. Ooh, there's well, there's already a volume one for the trade. Yeah, because they, they're. I think they might be up to like they might be close to issue 12 or something at this point so i plan on plan on buying that because this comic uh is pretty because just like this comic that's actually adapted by brian herbert as well oh cool so all right well with that guys we're going to go into our top three books to be made into a movie or a movie adaptations that are due for a remake um I guess we'll book adaptations. Yes. No, no, but no books that were made into movies already, but are due for a remake. <laughs> okay. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll go with you. T- you got here. Yeah. What's your, what's your honorable mention? My honorable mention. Uh, well, this one, I actually am currently in the midst of reading now and I recently found out it is being adapted into a series, but I'm still going to use it. It's uh, the A Court of Thorn and Roses series. Uh, it's fantasy, which I like Brian. I want more fantasy on TV and in movies. Uh, this is being adapted into a television series. Um, I think the guy that was on tr- that. Uh, was behind true blood is behind this also oh wow okay so uh but the whole premise is at least in the first book it's it's a world where humans there's humans and there's fairies and there's been a there was a war between humans and fairies which is more like fairies in the like old irish mythology sense like the fae folk so mm-hmm. there's changelings, all that kind of like stuff and everything. 
there was a big war that happened between them and there's now a wall that separates uh the human world from the world of the fa- of the fae um our main character is this girl named uh Feyre, who gets taken who kills one of the fae and then gets taken by the the master of the fae who can turn into beasts it's a kind of a loose retelling of like a very different interpretation of beauty and the beast in this first okay. book uh i think it's very good there's some very cool characters uh i'm gonna be highly upset if they fuck them up <laughs> because there's some really awesome stuff in here it's it's very good i'm in the middle i'm not even in the middle like still very early on in the second book of the series but it takes a completely different uh change like things change drastically in the second book for the the main character and some of the other characters it's very cool i highly recommend this book series to people that are into fantasy stuff in general and i like i said it is being adapted into a television series uh by the writer of the books and ron moore who was behind battlestar galactica the more recent one, he's behind Outlander, the Electric G- Dream series on uh, Amazon Prime. He's behind a lot. He's been behind a lot of stuff. Carnival on HBO. Oh, I like that show. Uh, the old Roswell series that used to be on WB. Yeah. A lot, lot of stuff. Uh, I think they have good people on this. So very excited to see what happens with that. Because, like I said, I'm like I'm in the middle of reading it now, and it's very, very good, very cool interpretations of those like old uh, mytho- mythological like fey creatures. Okay. Uh, so then I'll go to my number three, which is another adaptation type thing. It's the Lunar Chronicles, which is kind of based on for better or worse, kind of like the Disney princesses, but very, very different. The first book is called Cinder. It's about Cinderella, but she is an ant. She, uh, she has parts of her body replaced with robotic parts. Uh, she lives on like, they live on earth, but then there's like, uh, the reason it's called the lunar chronicles because there's people that are lunars that live on the moon uh, the second book, which I also read, is called Scarlet. That's a little bit more based on that's more based on Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. There's werewolves, there's robots, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. It's very cool. Uh, I actually like the character of Scarlet more than I like the character of Cinder. And Cinder's kind of the more main character out of the two of them so far. Mm-hmm. But I actually like the character of Scarlet more. There you have a good uh, supporting cast uh in the second book it follows more scarlet but you also get to find out how her and cinder connected there's a lot of stuff i don't want to get into spoilers for those either because you find out some shit about cinder and why she is as important as she is because she's got more things than just having like she's in the first book she's instead of just being like the person that they make clean up everything she earns money for the family by being a mechanic 
because she's good with all that kind of stuff because she fixes her own leg her one of her legs and one of her arms was replaced by a mechanical like robotic stuff uh but yeah very cool again i want more like like this is more like uh sci-fi than fantasy but still has fantasy elements because there there's also kind of magic stuff happening in there right and like i said werewolves from the moon (laughs) kind of but they also end up on earth (laughs) also cool thing uh the cinder stuff takes place in uh Cause it takes place on our world on earth and it's like, uh, it's in like China. Oh, so that's really that's cool. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, but yeah. And then like Scarlet, she's from, uh, France, I think it was. So again, but the werewolf stuff, it, that's more in the second book. That shit's really cool. And I think you'd like that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That sounds cool. Um, Brian, you want to go next? Sure. Um, see, my runner up is, um, a series by, um, David Eddings. Um, it's actually two series. Um, the first one was called the Belgariad. And then the second was the Malorian, which is basically the sequel series to it. It's your basic high fantasy story, but what was endearing about it to me was that the characters were written in a more realistic manner like the characters aren't very they're not the stuffy archetypes that you expect from uh from from a a high fantasy that you normally read they're more down to earth they're more like people that you would actually know they're uh, like even the highborn and you know aristocratic characters some of them they're still just they're written as just people and like no one is uh above having no one is perfect they all have flaws and i and and there's like a thing a theme throughout the books that i've read of his so far that the flaws are part of your strength and i thoroughly enjoy that aspect being woven throughout the fantasy but it's like I said, it's your normal high fantasy. There's wizards, there's sorceresses, there's thieves, uh, there's thieves, rogues, there's um, almost Viking-like warriors. There's uh, a MacGuffin. There's you know there's a there's a there's a, cri- a a crystal there's a crystal that needs to be found and a sword and all this stuff. And but it was just the way it was written that got me that drew me in by, by the end of the first book. And the thing was, is the book was given to me because I liked Lord of the Rings so much and I didn't get around to reading it for like a good two or three years. And then when I read it, I was like, how could he only give me one of these? Like, this is a series. Like, why would you do that? Give me at least the first two, like, you know? So after that, I literally went out and got all of the books to the series and i've read them every year or every couple of years since um they are a lot of fun um there are a lot of favorite characters that i have and where it does have a lot in common with uh lord of the rings with it being this you know it's the end of the world as we know it but and we're gonna go off on a journey to stop it again 
the journey itself and the people are very, very different compared to the way things happen in Lord of the Rings. There was, I don't know how to say it. It is an urge. There's an urgency, but there's an urgency in this where things have to happen at a certain amount of time. So it's never like, oh, we're just rushing to get it done. So things play out over a certain amount of time. Like um, the, the first, I think the first book takes place over a year and a half or something like that. So it's more realistic when it comes to the amount of time that it takes to get across large amounts of land and everything mm-hmm. else. And these things even come up within the story. It's like, you know, oh, we can't travel at night through this area because this wooded area has got so many monsters in it. We need to make camp here. So there's a lot of these things, all the things and the little tropes that you would think about from D&D. It's like, yeah, no, they put it in here and they made it work. So it all feels natural. So that's my runner up. Um, uh, hold on, Bry. Yes, sir. Movie series or television series? Television series. Okay. Because I didn't say for mine, but I think the uh, Lunar Chronicles, I think that because it's so closely tied to kind of Disney properties, but aren't really, I think that'd be good on Disney Plus. I think all I could see mine on Disney Plus, too. They're all actually, yeah, uh, maybe Amazon Prime Wheel of Time coming this week. Yeah, that too. I either one of those two would work because this thing is doesn't this isn't they don't ever go into like adult territory you yeah know it's I mean? more high fantasy whereas you're yeah. not getting into that like game of thrones stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i like so, that that sounds awesome that i might want to it's a great out, it's a great series you can actually get compendiums um so you how can many get, like books in the series that's what i was saying you can get compendiums so like the first you can get each series in two books okay awesome so i like i have all 10 books Oh, so it's and then 10 books there's regularly? 10 books total. There's five books per per series. Okay. And then and then and then wait, but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's two books. There's two book, there's two bookends. And uh basically they take they they are the life stories of the two main magic users, which is Belgarath the sorcerer and his daughter Polgara, Polgara the sorceress. So they they each have their own book on top of that, and those could literally be their own little movies and whatnot. Awesome and whatnot because that's what they're. But the, I, like I said, it's a great series. My number three though is the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. I've heard of that, which we that, did get a series before, but yes, we did get a series before. That I feel like could go the route of. streaming movie series okay where it doesn't it could be on netflix it could be on amazon it could be on hbo it could be but you do movies instead of tv series so each book is its own movie basically Mm -hmm. and you could do that i mean it would definitely work as a regular tv series but i feel like this the scale of it with each movie it should be because because it's at its heart, the Dresden Files is a mystery. Yeah. So, Ed, I don't know. Do you have you ever heard of Dresden Files? I, I know of it. I don't okay. know. So I've never the read list- them, but yeah, for the listeners, it's basically if John Constantine was um, not only a working wizard um, out of Chicago, but a detective. Yeah. So you put the two of those things together, 
And then he like works with the police on weird cases. And these weird cases always have to do with magic, but they can't say that out loud and, and whatnot. But there is the supernatural in this world and government organizations know about it. Police know about it. They don't know how to handle it, but they know it exists. And they just happen to happen to have a wizard in their town and who literally does like the private detective thing. He's a wizard for hire. And um, they're fun books. Like he has a wry, dry sense of, you know, sarcastic sense of humor, but he's also got semi-dark past and, and everything else. But there are some really cool, dark fantasy things that they can do with this. And I really think played up, especially now with all the shows that we have, it, it, it would work really well um, on, on like an eight. This is definitely like an HBO Max thing. Like yeah. this is why, or a movie thing or Amazon Prime, like, but a movie series, like you literally just every once a year pop out a movie of one of these because the budget doesn't need to be ridiculous and where you're spending all your effects is going to be on like the big, big, big things that happen towards the end. The little things shows like these uh, shows like um, on streaming cover all the time. You know, yeah. like if you look at Witcher and everything else, you take the Witcher budget and, and, and or take a Game of Thrones budget and this thing yeah. would fly. This thing would fly. And yeah. I know we're not doing casting, but I literally had a thought <laughs> and I was like, who could who could who would do this? Because I liked who they had last time. But you know, even then when he was playing him, he, he seemed a little too old for me. And yeah. it was, uh, I'm forgetting the actor's name, but he played, um, uh, he was on, he was on Arrow. He was the, the, um, the, the detective. That's who played him in the series, wasn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. That's who played him in the series. That's mm -hmm. I was trying to, I can't remember his name. Um, but for who I want him, who I would want is actually Sebastian Stan. Oh, because he's got this. He's got the roguishly handsome. He can pull off long hair or short because older pictures used to have him with long hair in the duster. That's the other thing. A man wears a duster. So yeah. it, it, it just it just. Yeah, it would just he would just rock that look, but I think he would just be good in the part. And it's just be it'd be a fun role. I think anyone that takes the role would have fun with this role. Mm, that, yeah. It's just the sarcastic. Han Solo-ish, but a wizard yeah. type character. Sounds cool. Oh yeah. It's uh, it oh yeah. And then there's all kinds of political intrigue, magical political intrigue. Ooh, I should say. Political intrigue. Well, yeah, because there's magical groups. There's literally there's vampires, there's werewolves, there's different factions of magicians, like white wizards, blood dark, like it's ridiculous. And fairy courts and every like I, this is what I'm saying. And if with each book, they dive deeper and deeper into that lore. They don't just hit you over the head with all of that, like right off the bat. So the first book would, the first movie would seem pretty mundane. And yeah, there'd be some supernatural stuff, but it would be more like the, the Keanu Reeves uh, Constantine movie. Yeah, the right. second one and the third one and the fourth would just get progressively further into that to the point where now you're seeing what he sees all the time. Which right. are like the fairies flying around and yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy, crazy. Sounds cool. All right, Dad. Well, 
this is going to be very disappointing to people who are listening because went from two really cool sounding things to me who I'm not a huge reader. And again, I, when I do read, I read a lot of fiction and usually it's, um, it's usually serial killer shit, to be honest. Um, I usually read a lot of, uh, you know, true crime and stuff like that. But I went for things that are a little more palatable to everybody. Um, <laughs> and my my first one that I thought of, because it was a book that I liked when I was younger. I haven't read it in a long, long time. And this is very eighth grade of me. But I really <laughs> like the movie or the, really like the movie. I really like the book Catcher in the Rye. And after doing some reading about it, it has never had an actual adaptation. What? Really? It has never had an actual adaptation. It has never had a movie adaptation or a series adaptation. Um, It's one of those. Obviously, it has a bad stigma to it because of the whole John Lennon thing and stuff like that. However, I remember reading this when I was young. Again, I probably haven't read it in 25 years. But I remember it it, it obviously made some kind of impression on me because I remember the whole book. I remember it leaving the, the end of the book having a very big impression on me. And just reading about it in the last couple of days, being like, oh, yeah, that did have a bigger idea behind it than what i thought when i was you know 17 or whatever i was mm-hmm. um it, it's obviously i read it later than eighth grade so i wasn't 17 in eighth grade um <laughs> but i remember reading it and being like this is interesting like most of the books i've read when i was that age i just did because i had to this was one i actually enjoyed reading and as much as it is problematic, I guess, looking back at it, there's stuff about the book that I really, really resonated with when I was a young person. Um, a lot of it had to do with, you know, being disillusioned and, and not having a lot of faith in adults and stuff like that. Um, honestly, it, I don't have a whole lot to say about it because I I remember reading it, but I don't remember in detail, but I remember enjoying it a lot. And the fact that it has never been really put into any kind of adaptation leaves it pretty much open for somebody to go in and and make a, either a movie or a series or something. I think it'd probably work as a movie because the, the book is not very, you know, it, it's it's not a very detailed book from what I recall. It's just a, basically a day in this kid's life who is a 16-year-old kid who pretty much had everything handed to him and then gets into a situation where he kind of puts himself into it and things happen to him and he kind of realizes, oh, things aren't too bad. And I just... I don't know. I, I really remember being like, 
a young person and feeling like, man, I feel bad that this kid feels this way. You know, myself being in a bad situation at the time and feeling sympathetic for the main character. Mm. He was so in the book. He's so disillusioned with everything and has no, he does have sympathy. He has no empathy for anybody, which always, I always thought was sad because, you know, he's, I think in the book, he's maybe 15 or 16. And I probably read it around 13, 14, something around then. Mm. Um, I just always, I just always thought it was an interesting book, and the fact that it hasn't been adapted—that's why I went with it. Um, for my actual number three, I went with a remake of *The Lawnmower Man*. Okay, an actual remake. Um, the Stephen King story, which, I mean, it's not a perfect book, but the movie that we got was garbage. So. If you if if you're going to remake any story of his, obviously there are a ton of stories of his that are already being made that are already in production. But from everything I looked at, Lawnmower Man was not one of them that's ripe for a re uh, a redo. So I just thought that at the time, even though the the idea may have been further than what we could accomplish with any kind of effects at the time not to say that the whole movie is dependent upon the effects mm-hmm. but well, i think that that's a big part of it yeah so you know for them to be able to go into this you know computer dimension mm-hmm. and be able to explore that i think now we have the special effects that are capable of that and maybe with less problematic portrayals of um, handicapable people and things like that, I think that that might be a problem or be less of a problem now than it was. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's, it's not a, it's not a perfect book. And even back when I watched the movie, I was like, eh, this is probably not the best of his books to make into a movie, but I think that it's probably do for a remake because right now we have we're more capable of making a good version of that we were you know what i mean and with relevant more relevant and the fact that right now we are in a spot where everybody wants to have some kind of stephen king movie made this is probably the prime time for that so that was my number three Nice. Nice. All right. So, moving on to me with my number two. Uh, it is uh, the series of books based on a character by the name of Joe Ledger. Specifically, the first two books, because those are the ones I read, but there's a bunch of them. But the first book is called Patient Zero. Uh, and this series is by Jonathan Mayberry, who is a Philadelphia boy, grew up in Kensington. Uh, Did you say patient zero? Yes. Uh, But in these books, uh, the main character, Joe Ledger, is a detective in Baltimore who gets recruited by the Department of Military Sciences. 
Uh, because what happens is he kills this terrorist and then has to end up killing him again later in the week. You come to find out there's a terrorist organization that's making this uh, disease that is pretty much a zombie disease. But this like does it all and more like they really get into like how this could actually happen <laughs> type of thing. Like it's very more grounded real world take on what could uh, potentially happen with uh, a pathogen happening and that and actually they they try to release it. The whole thing in the first book is they're trying to release it in Philadelphia. So it's a whole thing of Joe Ledger and his team at the DMS racing against the clock, trying to stop this uh, terrorist organization from uh, releasing this zombie virus. And then in the second book, which is called The Dragon Factory, it's about these. Again, it's more of a lot of a lot about the same kind of stuff. It actually reminds me a lot of Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. like specifically with these things because it seems like it's these people or like organizations that are doing a lot of this bioterrorism and that's specifically what this stuff is about uh i think these specifically would work as movies like in a, a series of movies because i feel like they'd be they'd be good action set pieces and then you have like that horror element in there also like seeing there's one point in the first book where they're testing the, the, the terrorists are testing the, um, the virus and they just drop it on this town and just sit back and watch it happen. Watch these people like start to become zombies <laughs> and it's fucked up reading this. It's a very, very, I, I really like, this book series uh like i the character of joe ledger like i said he's just a detective that got drawn into this by something happening in his work that was loosely connected to it when he didn't even know like but he got drawn into it and then he becomes like the head of this new shadow organization kind of like because they're kind of like hush hush uh but yeah that's my second uh the joe ledger series specifically patient zero i want to see that as a movie and then if they ever got into it going further, see the Dragon Factory and the rest of those movies, the rest of those books being made into movies. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's very dark good. as hell, but interesting. Oh, yeah, it's like I said, it's a very more like grounded take. Like when I was reading it, I was like, holy shit, this could happen. <laughs> Like, this could really happen. And people think, nah, it's fine. It's just, <laughs> we'll be good. If COVID taught us anything, we would not be good. Yeah, I I'm glad I stopped reading The Stand when I um, when I did. Because yeah. when, when this hit, because the last time I read that book, um, I happened to catch a cold. And it was horrible trying to read that book. 
You thought like every time I say every time I was reading, I like I every time I start to feel better, I start reading about some Captain Trips. My nose starts stuffing up and whatnot and shit. I'm like, well, <laughs> nope, gonna close this book. Yeah, wait till I feel better before I start reading that because that's gonna yeah. fuck with me in my head, apparently. Um, <laughs> my number two is uh by um DC Darling, and I mean comics, not movies. Uh <laughs> DC Comics Darling, Tom King. Um, it's, it was his first novel. It was actually called a once crowded sky. Um, yeah. Uh, the setup for this is, and the opening, and, and I want to see this as a movie. The setup for this is the opening of the movie would literally be, um, the heroes of this world having to basically sacrifice their powers and pull it all into one hero. And, in doing so it uh kills him but it does stop the threat that's trying to destroy the world at that time um but it also leaves the world without any superheroes except for one the sidekick of said fallen hero who decided not to show up to this gathering and not to give up his powers and the um and now there's a new threat looming and Another hero uh, that uh, did give up his powers um, goes seeking out um, this former sidekick who's now like a pariah because everybody hates him, calling him a coward for not giving up his powers so that he can bring him out of hiding to help stop this huge, uh, of this, this next um, planet level threat. Now, the thing that I, 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 I would enjoy about this as a movie is, is that it would be a kind of a subversion of what people are thinking, because a lot of people are thinking that it'd be like a great some superhero flick and whatnot. And there is some of that in there, but mm-hmm. that's not what that is like. Everything that we would get would actually be in flashback mode. It would be in flashback form. And in the book, they actually use comic book panels like per um every couple of chapters and right, like cool. illustrate some stuff. And I would love for them to do something like that, where like the flashbacks would be like animated or something like that. And in comic, because it's sort of a meta commentary because there mm. are comic books based on the characters in this world. So it would be sort of like the cartoons based on these characters from this world that no longer exist because they sacrifice their powers. So that's what the flashbacks that we would be getting would be like cartoon versions of these adventures that they went on and whatnot. So I, I, it would, I think it would have to be in two parts where you would have to do the first part is obviously the setup and everything where we get a lot of these flashbacks, but we are also getting a lot of what's going on in the present day, setting up the threat. And then the second movie would be literally everyone having to try and what, what, what happens dealing with that threat, the guy coming out of retirement and all those, and all the things that happened after that. Mm -hmm. So, but you obviously have to shoot them at the same time and (laughs) market that as two movies. But anyway, but yeah, that that was my idea. That was my choice for a second movie because, uh, again, superhero movies are still a huge thing. But I I would like to see something different done with them. Mm-hmm. 
And I think um, the Watchmen TV show was a great example of the kind of stuff that you can do with uh, a superhero uh, story where it is very much character. And even the voice to uh, an extent where it's very much character based and world based. But there are fantastical things happening in this world. And the crux of the tension and that's in this world happens to be those supernatural things. And in this case, a world where that was an everyday thing is no longer a thing at all. Like literally like that'd be like literally taking the magic out of a, 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 a world that existed with magic in it before. So, yeah. so yeah, one day they were here, like, like, like the title said, a once crowded sky. Cool. That sounds awesome, actually. Yep. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> it's a good fucking book. I enjoyed nice. it. Awesome. Ed? Ed? Well, again, I am going... To- <laughs> you didn't in- disappoint last time, so I don't know what you're talking about. Just just, just, I, just, 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 just sit there I and just, just tell us what it is. I Stop feel... I He's feel like build it up so we feel bad for him. You feel no, like no, no, a no. disappointment. I feel like the things that I'm bringing to the conversation are like just boring. Everybody knows about these. So, <laughs> um, and nobody knows about the ones you're talking about, and they all sound awesome. So, <laughs> my number two is um, Call of Cthulhu. Yes. It's obviously HP Lovecraft. It's a short story that I feel has the potential to be a movie. Mm-hmm. Although a two-part movie, maybe released as chapter one and chapter two by uh, Warner Brothers eventually one day. And, Guillermo um, del Toro. <laughs> possibly helmed by... Um, the thing about this book, again, this is a book I read when I was younger. I was probably in my late teens, early 20s when I read it. I haven't read it since. Mm-hmm. It's so dense yes. for just being a short story. For being a short story, it is completely full of lore and characters, and it's just one of the scariest things I've ever fucking read in my life. Um, I've always since reading this, I've I've always been really, really interested in all Lovecraftian horror. Um, but the Cthulhu mythos specifically, um, the fact that there are giant celestial evil beings living under the water who are ready to come to light at any moment to take over the world. That's eh, pretty terrifying. Um, the fact that this has been mined many times for adaptations, but none of them have been very good and mm-hmm. or very popular. I think is it it's ready. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. God, the guy has made so many different stories and, and so many of them centered on the Cthulhu mythos that you could make a series of movies straight yep. from yep. just this, this series of, of movies and the, you know, forget about all the other stories he's written over the years. But the the main story of there being a cult of people who are willing and wanting to bring 
these great old gods out of the water to take over the world. It's, it's self-explanatory. I mean, it's terrifying. It could be set either in the past, which the, the movie or the, the book, I should say, yeah, the book yeah. is, is kind of set in the past or it could be set during present day. And it's kind of, you know, you, you could set it in present times and change a few things and really nothing changes in the story. Um, they just need to put the right person behind the camera and they need to put the money into the production to make it good. It's, it's just that easy. I don't know why Hollywood has waited so long and they've done other things. Um, one of the things that I recall when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, wow, this looks like it could be Cthulhu um, skyline. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. An- another movie, which I was like, oh, this could go there too. Underwater, which they didn't did go there. They did, but they didn't. They stopped at the end and didn't go there. It's a shame because that movie could have been so much better if they would have went full on into it. Um, and I but could see, say the same. I, I, I could say the same for Skyline. I feel like I feel like with something like Cthulhu, though, that's the end. Like when you get to them coming, that's it. That's all. It's over with. That's game over. That's that. That's that's it. But there's point. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, do you guys watch The Empty Man yet? I have not. I it's on my list. You've told me it was good. I have to watch it. Yeah, there you go. Kind of Cthulhu-y things happen in there. Go watch okay. Hellboy. I've, I've seen Hellboy. I've seen all the Hellboys. Yeah, now, um. Yeah, the em- Empty Man is probably the closest, more recent thing that we've gotten like to Cthulhu mythos stuff. Really, Void. That see, that makes void me want to watch it even one. more. Oh yeah, the Void. Yeah, that's another one. Have I have not that? watched the Void. I've heard that was really good. Um, yeah, you really should watch that. Then that's really that's seriously Cthulhu like that's, mythos yeah, stuff. That that yeah that that movie. But the up. Empty Man, like that's one of those ones that surprised me because I didn't know where it was going. It's definitely more in the Cthulhu Cthulhu mythos style of stuff where it's about stuff happening in your head as well as like stuff actually happening. Right. Where it's which like the madness going on, which is that's yeah. what that's what the Cthulhu Call of Cthulhu, a movie series should be. It yeah. should be one person going completely crazy, but also these larger things are being unearthed. That is and again, I, the fact that so many people have tried to do it and f- not failed, I shouldn't say that, have been so nothing really happened with it. Like yeah. nothing real nothing has really like been like wow, that is the that is the Cthulhu that we all want to see in a movie. That's yeah. why I feel like it's ripe for an adaptation or or an interpretation. Um especially with a big studio behind it a big name director behind it and some kind of money to show what these, what these characters and these monsters should look like. Sadly, 
Uh, Guillermo del Toro was supposed to make a At the Mountains of Madness movie. I knew that. Uh-huh. Uh, Warner Brothers was too nervous about the cost and it not having a love story or happy ending. Yeah, well. Wonder, who, who, who was this again? Tone? Who, who? Uh, Warner Brothers. <clears throat> oh, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cowards. Yeah. And that's Cowards. the thing. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> do they not see how the, I don't know, obviously Hollywood ebbs and flows on what they, what they want to see. I feel like right now we are probably in the most dour times. Like people want to mm-hmm. see dark endings. People want to see. Yeah. Like we don't need. He's not working out, you know? And I'm. This I isn't post World War II where everybody needs a happy ending. This is just not the world we're living in anymore. No. You know what I mean? So again, that that's just my opinion. I, I really oh, yeah. feel like that, that short story, it's not a, it's not a book quote unquote, no. a book, but it is plenty of stories, short stories about those, the old gods and the ancient ones that is so ready for an adaptation or, a series of movies or a franchise that I don't know how they haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we get like little nods of things here and there in stuff like, um, right. Uh, that the show on HBO with, uh, Woody Harrelson and, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, true detective. Yeah. True detective. In that, one. like, there was like There's little things in, there, in that in that King, that was like touching that. on the King in Yellow, which is yes from yep. the Cthulhu mythos. Um, and even even other things like um, we always talk about it. Uh, the Cabin in the Woods. Yep. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. end of that movie is very much Cthulhu related. But if there was just a, if you came out with a movie just like back in the day, they came out with. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. If you came out with H.P. Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu, that movie will make money. I don't hear. Here's the thing: there's a bunch of budget Cthulhu movies. Yeah, there are. That's what I'm saying. There's yeah. not a definitive, definitive box office because it's because yeah. it's too dark. It's just too dark for them. I don't uh, too dark. No, I think you're right. It's probably. They're scared for, of it for most of Hollywood, I would say. No, yeah, you're right. I just feel like if they would chill the fuck out and see that this is something people want, they would be surprised. Someone just <laughs> needs to give Guillermo del Toro the money to make this because he is the perfect exactly. person to make this. Yeah, he really just is. Do it, or he's already done like similar things in other movies that he's made. Like he's he's the perfect person. I think Flanagan could Flanagan. Could I think also like I think Mike Flanagan because he gets into those like ideas of the people and everything and how yes. that works. He like would he be able to. He would be able to counterbalance the horror with the actual humanity of things. Yeah. Well, what if they um, just did the whole? What if they just allowed Del Toro to produce? Like and that's, did tr- on, that's true. On like Crimson Peak. Have and, him. I mean, produce... I mean, not Crimson Peak on uh the 
the the the, the scary movies. Yeah, I mean scary. The scary. The yeah, scary, scary yeah. stories to, tell, to in the tell, tell in the dark. Have him produce. I think and that would work. Create the creatures because that man. Yeah. I create. That's what creatures. he's. That's what he's really really good yeah. at. Like and he can create some creepy things and have him do that and have Flanagan like because you all you gotta do Miskatonic University in. Uh, what is it, Rhode Island or whatever? Yep, Massachusetts. Mass- yeah, yes. it's, in, it's in Massachusetts. Uh, and then you have that could take place in Arkham because yep. that's the town that everything almost takes. Like, have it be a thing, and you can have it be about like in modern day where oh, this is we haven't had to deal with this stuff in a while. Like, we and then like someone like starts digging into it and things start happening again. And you yeah. find out it's connected to this Cthulhu cult, and they're like, "Wait, what?" It's like, "Come on, it 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 writes itself." Hire it writes, me. It writes itself. <laughs> it literally has been written already. Yes. Uh, and again, oh, you were right. It, it is Rhode Island. I'm, I apologize. Oh, I um, okay. Yeah, but I thought it was Massachusetts for some reason. Um, but yeah, I just I always wanted to see a good version of that story told, and there's very yeah. few. Very few instances of that that happening. So that was my number two. Awesome. That's a very good number two, Ed. You downplayed that. I just so. feel like a lot of people have read the... That doesn't mean anything. HP yeah. love that stuff. That doesn't mean it. That's like saying a lot of people read Dune. Duh. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's popular. A lot Ed. of people read Lord of the Rings, yeah. Ed. Yeah. Guess Ed. you got a point. Guess you got a point. Guess you got a point. All right. All right. <laughs> My number one, this was very hard for me because I have three books by this guy. I love all three of them, but this was my favorite. Uh, the author is Charlie Huston, who has written for Marvel before. He's written Moon Knight. Before, oh. actually. Uh, the other books, though, Shotgun Rule and Already Dead, also very good. Go pick those up. But my number one is... The one with the longest title. The <laughs> Mystic Arts of Erasing All Signs of Death. Ooh. I like that. That sounds awesome. So, this is pretty much like modern day noir. Uh, our main character is a guy by the name of Webster Fillmore Goodhue. Goes by <laughs> Webb. Uh, he joins a like he gets a job cleaning crime scenes and it's i think it takes place in la right yeah la but he cleans up crime scenes like really disgusting fucked up crime scenes they get into it and like talk about how the way things smell and everything i'm like i don't need to know all that uh but he so he starts doing that and then when he's there cleaning up uh a suicide place he meets the daughter of the person that committed suicide and then getting into things with her leads into a whole lot of things where he shouldn't be doing like stuff that he shouldn't be doing in classical noir fashion he gets caught up in like a murder mystery and everything it's a very very good book i fucking i love this book it's so good I've had this for a couple of years now. Uh, I think this would work as a movie. Like it doesn't need to be more than 
it's only one book. It's not a thick book either. I want to borrow that next time we we see each other. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely let you borrow that. Uh, But it's so good. And, like, you read the title and you're like, the mystic arts of erasing. Like, you're thinking, like, there's going to be supernatural. This is completely all, like, normal, mundane. Uh, But it's just so good, so well written. I really, really like Charlie Huston's writing. Uh, It's so good. Apparently, it was going to be a series before they made they shot a pilot but it never got picked up it was supposed to be on hbo i think which if they were going to do a series that's where it would need to be (laughs) because this gets very into adult themes and you're gonna have a lot of dead bodies all over the place anyway like this guy's going to clean up crime scenes that are pretty fucked like he's the the suicide like he's cleaning the guy's brains off yeah, the bathroom mirror. He's cleaning, he's literally cleaning them off the bathroom mirror when this guy's daughter comes in. Oh, yeah. So the the last few, the out uh what's it called? The outsider and yeah. um the sharp objects. Those two were I guess I think both of them were based on books before, and both of them were on HBO. Yeah, outsider is Stephen King. Both of them delve into some pretty gross and, and crazy shit. So I feel like that would be the perfect place for this to be. Yeah. Like I said, I love it. I love his other stuff. Already Dead is a vampire series that takes place in New York, Brian, <laughs> where the main character is a detective that's also a vampire. Huh. Interesting. And then the shotgun rule is kind of, it really reminds me of like Goonies and that type of stuff. It's about these, like this group of kids, but they witness a murder. Like they don't just find a body like in uh, Stand By Me. They witness a murder happen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Mystic Arts of Erasing All Signs of Death. Very good. I'll let you borrow this, Ed. Um, yeah, definitely want to check that out. It's very That's good. Like I said, I think, it, I think it could work as a movie or even like a miniseries. That sounds good. Yeah, sounds very good. <clears throat> so what is your, your number one, Bri? Uh, my number one is actually by uh, the same person as my runners up. It's by David Eddings. Um, it's a standalone book, another fantasy. Um, but this one I think could actually be a movie. Um, actually, no, miniseries, because there's a lot of weird time manipulation stuff that happens. The name of the book is called The Redemption of Alphilis. Um, it's about a thief who uh, prided himself on his skill but also his good luck until he has a really bad lo- run of bad luck, which ends up leading him to his destiny, which is to uh, live for about 2000 years and learn magic. And uh, yeah, it's uh, at the end of his uh bad run he's tasked to steal a book from a house and when he 
gets there. There's a talking cat that kind of traps him there. And he finally uh, is persuaded to read the book. And in reading the book, he learns magic. Um, what he doesn't realize is, is that while he's there, he's there for that 2000 years that I had mentioned. And when he comes out, it's at a period where the world is in a lot of unrest and uh, old gods are coming out of, uh, out of, uh, well, slumber and trying to take over. Um, it was another, Eddings just has this really good grasp on writing fantastical characters in really human ways. They don't seem like characters. They just all seem like people. And that's what I really, really, really enjoyed about this, uh, about, about his books. This one in particular, where it actually like mixed two of my favorite, it feels like it mixed two of my favorite characters from the, the Belgarian series into one character and then let it loose on a, let him loose on a completely different world. Um, it is far and away very different from the books that I had mentioned before, but it has a lot of the same um, feels. There's a, he does world building very well there's always a very fleshed out sense of it um he can literally give you a couple of chapters about um a, about the world not a couple of chapters a couple of paragraphs about the world and you feel like you can see it in front of you um so it it, it it's a very visual um he's very visual with his descriptions and every um and uh, as I said, he writes these characters that just feel real, like just real people. Um, it would just be a, it, it would just be a fun, somewhat lighthearted affair, but it's one of those ones where there is very high stakes, but things are never taken almost like completely too seriously. There are some darker moments, but nothing ever gets to that point where it's just like, God, well, that was dark or, oh, I'm, I'm like crying profusely because a character just died uh right. like you, it, characters die but it's like it all feels like nothing feels like it was it was out of place and it doesn't completely kill you when it happens so that 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 i i definitely enjoy um but like i said it's just a it's a fun breezy read um i was looking for something else to read by the author and some of the other stuff that he had written seemed a little bit too much like the stuff that I had already read. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to reread this another whole nother series. And then I found out about this book and I just, I fell in love with it. It's I I've read it twice. I'm planning on, that's why I said, I'm probably going to start reading again. And I'm probably going to start with this. Um, they have some really cool concepts. Um, uh, like there's a character that can open doors that, pretty much like he has a key it opens doors like he can open a door let's say he opens your closet door and then it leads to a hallway with nothing but doors and each one of those doors leads to somewhere else so i could literally like open this door to my closet walk down this hallway open lock this door and then come out and, and, and come out of, um come out in tone's living room interesting and like there are doors windows and it's all because of this house that he went into it's called the house at the end of the world. So I was like, yo, there's some like really cool concepts. Like there are literally scenes where there's a, 
a huge battle on a field happening and people are watching from the window of this house. And the Mm. way they described it is almost like this window is literally just floating in the air while all this battle is going on and whatnot. And I'm like, that is fucking cool. Like just thought things like that. And I'm like, and they use these things to great effect. So that that's that it's not just like a gimmick or something. Like you see it and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then when it finally comes into a play, you're like, what are they doing? This is this is insane. So like I it, that's why I said it'd be a fun, breezy thing, because that that final battles would be just epic. There's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds cool. It does. I got an old hardcover copy of it too. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's really yeah, cool. like that's I like really beat cool. somebody in the head cover. <laughs> so what's your number three, sir? I'm number one. My number one. My number one. one. Ah, 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 ah. My number one is again. I just feel like I'm I'm being oh, just God. Basic. I'm going to beat you with this book, Ed. After he gave us Call of Cthulhu, here he comes. I'm going to beat you with this. I'm I'm not going to give it any more more, more preface. My number one is Animal Farm. Um, It is a book I read several times. Uh, George Orwell, 1945. It's 1984 is one of my favorite movies favorite books, favorite stories of all time. This isn't far behind. This is um, just something that's sadly very relevant nowadays. Um, And basically the book tells the story of a group of farm animals who rebel against their human farmer. And they um, hope to make a better society where animals can be free and stuff. But ultimately, the rebellion is betrayed and the farm ends up in a state that was worse than before it was when it was run by humans. Um, It's just. I know it was written in 1945 by Orwell, but it it seems as prescient now as it was back then. It's humans being at their absolute fucking worst. Is really so it's an allegory. Human. I'm sorry. So humans being humans. Human being humans. Yeah, exactly. It's an allegory for greed and excess and and power and all that stuff. Um, but if I was going to make it into a movie slash series, I, I think it would work better as a series just because there's a lot of time lapse mm-hmm. in between uh, in between all the events that happen in the book. Um. I would want it to be a series. And when I was thinking about who I would want to actually make this a movie or a film or a series or whatever, I was having troubles with it because there, there have been a couple of animated movies and stuff like that. There was a live adaptation in 1999 that wasn't very well known. Um, and then I came across the fact that Andy Circus is developing for Netflix with Matt Reeves producing mm-hmm. a new film adaptation. And I was like, that is perfect. Yep. That is who should be doing it. I feel like it should be an actual 
hum like kind of like how they're doing the live action the the live what would you even call that the cg ones cg animals is what it should be but by the end of that movie or the end of that book i should say by the end of the movie that's off of this book the animals have taken on or specifically the pigs and the dogs have specifically taken on the um, look and actions of humans. Mm. And they could portray that so well, especially Andy Serkis and Matt Reeves and what they've done with the <clears throat> apes movies. That would be a perfect combination. And that story is just, it's like I said, it's, you could put it in 45, you could put it in 90, you could put it in right now. Yeah. People are awful, and especially when they're put into power, they corrupt absolute power, absolute, uh, corrupts absolutely. That is exactly what this story embodies. And it's, again, it's one of my favorite books, but it's a very depressing book. It's not a very optimistic book. And all of the characters that you're rooting for in this book all ultimately are left behind and or die. And all you have left is the terrible people who have taken over and what that has left for the rest of the animals, not people, the animals who have taken over and all that is left for the other animals who were trying to make a better utopia for themselves. Yeah. It's a very... <laughs> that's why I don't know that it, it they say there's an adaptation coming, but it's so depressing and it's so dour that I don't know that it will get made. I hope it gets made because it's such a really, really great story. Same as 1984. 1984 is another one where it leaves you on an absolute downer. I mean, as much of a great movie as it is, that that movie, that book, whatever you want to call it, because I've seen, I saw the book for, or I saw the movie first and I read the book second. Mm. Um, and on each, I was just like, man, I can't believe that these people I was rooting for the entire time are in just the worst possible condition they could possibly be in. Um, and I feel like, Again, not everybody needs a happy ending. I'm a person who doesn't need a happy ending. Um, but I think the masses might not enjoy it. However, that story should be adapted and should be told in a series or a, or a film, which it looks like it's going to be a film from what I read. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing. And, and the things they can do now with CG, that will be... 100% brought to life by Andy Serkis and his team. So I know that it's coming or they say that it's coming at least. Yeah. So I'm really, really optimistic that that does happen because that is one of those books that always stuck with me. Same as 1984. Just, I just don't know if it's sun sunshiny enough for, uh, for the general populace to care. Have you seen, have you seen Circus's version of the Jungle Book? Mowgli? Mowgli. Mowgli. I, I watched the beginning of it. I never got back to it. That's another one that's very dark, which I enjoyed. I like that. 
Um, again, I, the book, from what I understand, I never read it. I'm not going to pretend that I did. But the book of the Jungle Book is very it's it's a harsh book it, no, it is. and it's and his movie follows the book more closely correct so i'm fine with all that it's just the general population may not want that and i understand it i get it we all want a happy ending and you know all that stuff but if you're looking for a effective good story Animal Farm is amazing. It, and it's amazing. It's an amazing book. And watch, I think I I think I read it when I was early teens or 20s and being just like, holy shit, this is this is some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading that in high school. So yeah. And yeah. Again, it's 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 something I think probably everybody our age range was made to read at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's not the most easily palatable, but I think that if you're looking for a story to adapt into a film, I think that that has a lot of, if it doesn't have a lot of like, it may not be deserving of an adaptation, but I really think that, it should be made into a movie only because it's so prescient right now. It's reflective of everything that's going on society wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. And that's manner. exactly why it won't get made. Exactly. Good. They're going to say, Oh, that's this true. is putting a spotlight on what's really happening. Let's not make that, you know, mm -hmm. sad, but true. Um, but yeah, that, that was my number one. Again, I feel like it's a little rudimentary, but. That is my number one. I, I thought that yeah. that was uh, ready again for a solid pick, Ed. Stop downplaying your picks. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just feel like you know why because <laughs> none of you were like, like big and fantastical, and then yeah, well, you guys have these like cool fucking sci fi things, and I'm like, I read this in fucking eighth grade. My number one wasn't sci fi, no, but still but also i was also the reason like this was a very hard one for me like to narrow everything down because it was a lot of things that i read in like eighth grade and in high school like the outsiders i think that's due for a remake i yep. love that original movie and i love that book but i think that's due for a remake yep talking about the outsiders. Like, yeah are we talking about the same outsiders yeah, S.E. Hinton. Oh, yeah, S.E. Hinton. Yeah, that fucking movie's yeah. great. And I that love book that movie. Great. But I feel like they could do a... They could do a, a much remake. better version. Much, And they could do much, a very... Like, in love with the characters and stuff. We watched <laughs> the movie, and she's like, that isn't who I thought would play this person. That's That didn't happen in the book. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, but yes, she, she's... 100% behind us. She wants she wants a new version of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, like cuz that's that book is a classic. Like that's something that people read. Like what she's in high school now, right? Oh, she's going into high school next year. Well, no. Okay, so yeah, that's around like 8th grade ish eighth, eighth where grade, they yeah. read that. Like that's yeah. one of those that I feel like is the, one of those classics that needs to be remade for the younger audience because that old movie as as much as I love that old movie, yeah. It's not what it should be. <laughs> No. Let's do it for Johnny, no, no. man. Yeah. Do it for Johnny. 
It is. It's again, it's it's a it's a pulled straight out of one point in time. And yep. good, bad, or indifferent, that's what it was. And the and book I really it. remember liking. Yeah, I love that book. Actually, we read we read quite a few of the Essie Hinton books when I was younger. Yeah, there was so, another one that I read. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I remember there was reading Rumblefish it. and the other one was uh Oh, I think it shit. might have been Rumblefish that I read. That was then. This is now. No, that's Those the one I read. That was then. This is now. And Rumblefish were the three, and Outsiders were the three I remember reading. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of books that I've read in high school and and like middle school that I remember, but those are the only ones I remember because everything else is true crime, or like has already been adapted at some point or time in, in time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, I feel good with my picks. I, I'm not, I'm not creating, you know, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you I'm go, not oh my God. No, 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 no. You better edit that shit out. <laughs> you better edit that statement out. Keeping it in. You don't get to, Keeping you don't get to whine about every, every, every nope. pick you're going to make before you make it. To finish the whole in. thing off and go, but I feel good about my picks. I'm keeping it in. I feel good about them. That's that's a bullshit. Me and Brian felt good serious. about your picks. That's a you didn't that's feel a good bullshit. about your picks. I like yeah, we felt good about facts. your picks. You were sitting up there going, "Well, <laughs> I don't know, guys. My picks kind of suck." And we're well, sitting they, up there like, "Nah, those are." Fucking I thought brilliant. they did, and then you guys were like, "That nah, are pretty good," and I'm like, "All right, now I feel better about it." <laughs> All right, so okay. now from now on, just run your stuff past us so that we can give you the pat on the yes. back and the support let, you need. To I will let you know stuff. in advance so you can approve it. So, or so we can am. so we can prep you up and make you feel good, so you don't have to sit there and <laughs> a fifteen minute. Like, I would appreciate party that. before every pick. Talk about my picks suck. <laughs> I would appreciate that. He's got he had his um, Eeyore hat on today, right? Specifically, specifically because. I'm not a big reader. I told you guys that. I'm not. I know, but you still pick good books. It doesn't matter how many you read or when you read them. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of these I've read years and years ago. The only one that I'm currently reading is The Court of Thorn Thorn and Roses. But there's, like, there's so much stuff. Like, half the stuff that I... Half the stuff that I read, I've either forgotten like the names of them off the top of my head, or I don't own the books anymore, so they've kind of like disappeared out of my head. Mm-hmm. It's like if I don't see it in front of me, I'm gonna forget. Mm-hmm. But if someone mentions it, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 no, I read that. I mean, Hollywood's running out of ideas anyway. They keep just remaking the same stuff over and over. That they need to start looking at some of these books and trying to option them off anyway. Hmm. I heard about this guy Peter Benchley. He's got this book about a fish. Pretty good. You know what? Wow. <laughs> you know what? Okay. I'm done with you. I think that's if, it. If you guys haven't figured it out, he's talking about Jaws. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> Jaws. Is that what it's called? I heard it's good. Oh. All right. <laughs> check that out. Oh my God. You're hurting me. Yeah, is it not like? Have you ever seen the movie? (laughs) Movie? They made a movie about it. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome! I got to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. Check that one out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Brian's so upset right now. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not even upset. I'm just like stuck. I'm like, I I don't even know. Yeah, what you don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do with him anymore. I just, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. with that. I think, I, I think on that note, Ed yeah, needs to go I to think bed. I'm done with you. <laughs> on, on that note, on that note, I guess we will say thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. Um, you can always reach us at the email account. That is gslwpod at gmail.com. Or our fabulous Facebook page, Geek Speak Last Week, two words. And our amazing Instagram, at Geek Speak Last Week. If you guys yeah, have work. any other books that you'd like to see adapted, let us know. Maybe you could uh, make Ed feel better about his picks because he felt so bad about them. True. <laughs> or just any, give any him some, or just suggest be, some books be. for him to read. Yeah, any you know, Ed needs to read be. some books, apparently. That's what we're learning. So let's Reading is fundamental. Books. You guys could read them for me. Send in your book reports to <laughs> Pod at gmail.com. Um, but yes, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you next time on the intake. Later. See ya.